In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Hey, I want to share a little bit about our ministry before I get into this morning's sermon because people ask. We decided not to bring our display out because I didn't want to put my wife out there and I just want to hang out with you guys. But in 2012, 10 years ago, God called me and my wife, my family in a massive radical act of faith to quit our job as youth pastors in a, in a very large church at the time and to launch a nonprofit organization for men called Men in the Arena. We are coming off a horrible economy. Uh, the church, if you look at church budgets, very little is typically given to men. If you look at uh, book statistics, uh, I think 30% of book readers or book purchasers are men. And so we decided we're going to go speak to men, write to men, and, and ask churches to help support men. So you're looking at the dumbest guy on the planet, basically. So we launched this thing and um, with 15 guys in a coffee shop. And uh, it, was a, it was a guttural movement moment. I just, I knew what God was calling me to, but there's no way on paper it would work. There's just no way. And it was really cool because last year, and I hope you don't, this is just me giving glory to God here. Last year, we, um, our podcast became the number one podcast in the world on Spotify for Christian men. We published a book called Strong Men, Dangerous Time that was an Amazon number one bestseller. We, uh, my digital marketing gal got us on TikTok, talk, which is 80% women audience. We've had multiple multi-million view videos. One of them was 2.1 million. Without any, we were at 37,000 followers within six months. Our Instagram hit 23,000 followers. I mean, God is just doing stuff. We have virtual teams and we have a forum with 14,000 guys in it on Facebook. These guys interact every day together. When COVID struck and the world shut down, our ministry exploded. Because we went digital. We've been called the pioneers of digital men's ministry. And I'm not bragging. It's so funny that this is... Because I'm like in a little town in McMinnville, Oregon. I got out of youth ministry because I hated Facebook. I'm like, this is stupid. MySpace, this is stupid. Well, that's our bread and butter. That's our ministry now. And that's what we do. And it's been really, really cool to see what God has. So... I do have a gift for you guys, or women, whoever. I have a, a free book. It's online. It'll cost you an email. It's called Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. And it's 200 tell them statements with 200 studies, Bible studies and meditative types of uh, questions. And you can actually do this with your kids. You can sit down at night. And, and we've got guys from all over the country doing that. And if you're like one of those old school guys, you're like, I don't know. Okay, old school guy. I'm doing a push-up challenge right now. I've got 400 guys around the country doing a push-up challenge. 65,000 push-ups this year. So all you got to do is 250 a day, five days a week, and then come talk to me. It's super easy. You can do it. It's more about discipline. 
So that's what we're doing. If you, get, if you do the push-ups, you get a t-shirt. I can't wait till I'm done because my shirts are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I was 135 pounds when I started this thing. Anyway, hey, so I, I got to tell you, I'm looking at these guys. I was a youth pastor for 25 years, so I love working with students. And I remember when it first happened for me. I was coming back from basketball practice. It was in 1981. I, was, I had just had my 15th birthday. In one hand, I've got Aeros... These are not worship bands, by the way. I have Aerosmith's Toys in the Attic. Who remembers that album, that cassette? In this hand, I've got ACDC's Back in Black. And I'm so excited to go home and listen to these in my disc, my Walkman, which was like a Discman. You don't even know what a Discman is. And I'm driving with my basketball coach. I didn't realize the guy, but he was a Christian. He was the campus life leader in our town. And he starts telling me about Jesus. Now, I, I had just come off of a... My parents divorced. Uh, I went to church at a, a church I, I hated. I was so bored. Sit down, stand up, kneel down, speak in Latin. I couldn't handle it. When my parents got divorced, I said, I'm no, never going to church again. <laughs> and we're driving, and he's telling me about Jesus. And I said, listen, Gary. I said, um, in this green, old GMC blazer. I know exactly where we are at. We're at the Twin Bridges in Morro Bay. Have you ever heard of that place? I said, listen, I appreciate you and you're a good coach and everything, but I'm never going to go to church ever again. I hate church. He said something that to this day I've never forgotten. He said, you know, Jim, Christianity is not about church. It's about having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Well, you know it. I was like, what? Is there a song on ACDC, Back in Black? I don't know. I had never heard this phrase before. And I thought, man, this is intriguing to me. Four years later, that same guy became my football coach, and he led me to Christ after my senior year in 1984 in front of a pizza place. That was 40 years ago almost. To this day, he's the vice president of my organization. To this day. So it's been really cool to see this journey. But this journey started with having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So when I was asked to speak here, I'm like, what am I going to speak about? And I realized, man, I've been tired this summer. I mean, this has been a long, hard year. And Eric would probably say the same. But if I could tell you anything, if I could share with you one thing in my heart, I mean, we've got a ministry that's reaching millions of people around the world right now. We have men from 135 countries that listened to our podcast last year. And I can tell you, here's how we did it. It's all about Jesus. It's all about pursuing him. That's all it is. It's living out Matthew 6.33. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. I remember I once, but here's what I want to say to you. I once worked for a Nazarene pastor 25 years ago, and he said to me, he goes, we were just talking about our relationship with God and our relationship with our kids and our relationship with our wife. And he said, you know, Jim, he goes, I told my wife, and my wife has told me, this is his, his wife speaking, that she said, well, you talk to me like you talk to everybody else. You talk to every person the same way. And he was bragging to me, and I thought, well, that's really a bummer for your wife. Because I, you don't want me talking to you, you don't want me to talk to you the way I talk to my wife. Because then I'd be saying, hey, hey, sweetie, hey, gorgeous. In my phone, you would be the babe of all babes. I mean, you do not want me to talk to you the way I talk to my wife. 
We talk, have you noticed, we talk to people and interact with people differently based on our personalities, based on our age gaps, based on our, our, the roles they play in our life. I talk to my kids different than I talk to my wife. And I think that's very appropriate. And I want to, well, you haven't, if you haven't gathered this already, I'm an extrovert. I love talking to people. I mean, I love telling stories. I can sit here for hours just talk about hunting stories and fishing stories and stories and tell you jokes. And you'd be, I love that stuff. But my relationship with God is completely different. It's quiet. It's small. It's attentive. It's inquisitive. Because my relationship with God is different than any other relationship I have with the planet, on the planet. And what I want to talk to you this morning is I want you to crawl into my prayer life. I'm going to allow you into my personal relationship with Jesus. I'm going to help you to interact with me and how I interact with Jesus. And it's, it's very personal for me, and it's very guttural for me, but it's, I want you to see how one guy does it. And maybe you can take one thing that I do, and maybe it can help you in your personal relationship with Jesus. So this morning, we're going to look at Psalm 4610a, just the very first part of a very small section of the psalm. And as you turn there or click there, let me pray for us this morning. Father, you're a great God. As we heard this morning, we want more of you. As we heard this morning, we can praise your name, for it is worthy. And God, I'm very passionate about this message. Uh, but God, I pray that in all the preparation and all the thought and all the prayer, God, I pray that you would uh, remove me from the equation this morning, except as the conduit of communication. And God, that when I leave here today, that I would be forgotten. And only you would be remembered. Because here I am on display. And my goal is to put you on display. So God, I pray to that end. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 4610. Very simple. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. When I think about my relationship with God and how I interact with God, and before I break this passage down, I want to give you a couple things that I think will help you in understanding uh, how I get here. The first thing, there are four, for me, there are four prerequisites to my time with God. If you've got a pencil, if you've got a pen, if you've got a, a phone, these might be good for you. These are prerequisites in my life that I have so that I can have a deep and authentic and continuous, consistent relationship with Jesus. The first one is this. Now, you gotta, this is a little bit of the redneck coming out in me here, so you got to help me. you got to forgive me. You're a Hermiston. You should understand this stuff. So, okay. The first one is, I want to have a heart of a champion. The heart of a champion. The question is, am I all in for Jesus? St. Augustine in 345 AD said, love God and do as you wish. So I always ask people, are you all in for Jesus? When I was a youth pastor, I got this question all the time. How do I hear from God? I'm not hearing from God. Stop having sex with your girlfriend. Stop living with your girlfriend. You wonder why you're not here from God, right? Go all in for God and trust him. Are you all in? Do you have the heart of a champion? The next thing, the next prerequisite is I have the pencil. Do you have a pencil of a sharpshooter? Everywhere I go, I carry a yellow notepad. When I'm in my car, I have a notepad and I've got this, uh, I don't know how to describe him. I call him a fraternity guy. He's a fraternity guy named Siri. And he'll be like, 
duh, 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 send it. I'm like, full send. You know what I mean? Send it. I had an Indian guy, and he'd be like, how can I help you today? But we had a language barrier. And my wife or somebody as a joke put this fraternity guy on my phone. He seems to understand me better. So I'm talking to him all the time. When I'm in prayer, I've got a yellow notepad, and I write stuff down. Constantly looking for things in my life that, where God is saying, Jim, this is me speaking to you right now. Always ready to put it on paper because tomorrow I will not remember it. Always writing it on paper. Eyes, uh, uh, the pencil of a sharpshooter. The next thing I like to do is I like to have the eyes of a hunter. If you, if you notice hunters, they all look the same. They all shop at Walmart. No, I'm just kidding. They, they have bigger eyes. Their eyes are facing forward. They have incisors. You're, you are not made to be a vegan. You are made to be a hunter. The eyes of a hunter, they're facing forward. Longer incisors. Every, their ears are typically smaller. They're more muscular. They're, willing, they're sprinters. But the eyes of a hunter, I'm always looking for God. What is God saying here? What is God doing here? This morning we had breakfast at a little restaurant in Echo. And man, I, 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 the little waitress gal went to pay. And I just, hey man, I'm going to speak at a church. And I knew she was a believer. I could tell by her eyes, right? And, I, and she just oh, lit up like, lit up. It's like, I knew you were a believer. You know what I mean? I mean, what is God doing? So I want to have the heart of a champion. I want to have the pencil of a sharpshooter. I want to have the eyes of a hunter. Fourth thing is I want to have the ears of the hunted. Mule deer. The ears. Next weekend is a glorious day in my household because all the Ramos men are going to kill elk. Well, we're going to hunt them. And sound and smell and all these things are so important. Because the elk's whole goal in life is to live. And so everything about that elk is designed to be aware of a predator. And as a follower of Jesus, I want to be listening for any moment where God may speak to me through any conduit. Whether that be a human. This morning God spoke to me through that last song. We're going to close with a different song. That last song, I want more of it. I'm like, that's our last song. That's it. That's it. I couldn't even get the words out when I'm singing the chorus. I'm like, I want more of it. Listening to what God has to say. The ears of the hunted. Three ways I discern God's voice is very simple. The first one is the love of the saints. When I'm listening to, for God, I'm, and I'm trying to discern, is this God's voice or do I have too much tomato sauce in my pizza? I ask myself, did this, did this, did this Voice come to me through a saint, a Christian man or woman who, who said something to love because of love. I want more love and less condemnation. So when somebody comes to me, what I discern whether or not it's the voice of God through them if they come to me in a spirit of love. If I come to you this morning in a spirit of judgment and condemnation, you know that that's not going to be from Jesus because the Bible says speak all things in love, right? So when I come to you, even though the message may be harsh, the message is one in love. And I hope that we can receive it. So is it done in love? This won't be a harsh message. This is like a, this is a cool, not harsh message. But if, if, you want, if you're a man and you go to a ministry I speak at, you might hear a few harsh things. But not, not today, not today. Okay, the second thing is the Bible. We want more of God's truth and less of mine. All scripture, the Bible says in Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews um, 3.16, is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. More of God's truth and less of mine. 
I really don't care about your truth. I am so sick of that phrase. Oh, that's my truth. Your truth has nothing to do with anything. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's all about God's truth. I don't care about your truth unless it aligns with the word of God and God's truth. So whenever I hear somebody say, that's my truth, I go, whoa, whoa, I stop. I'm like, stop. God's speaking to me now through your stupidity. What does your truth mean? Tell me what that means to you. Let's unpack that together. Oh, well, it means I feel, like, whoa, 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 you feel? I mean, what does this mean? More of his truth, less of mine. The third way I discern God's voice is through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit speaking to me. More ears, less mouth. If you go online to meninarena.org, that's our website. If you want that free book, by the way, that's our website. There's a mug for sale, a coffee mug, and it has two handles. They're big handles. They're about that big, and they stick straight out. And the mug is named Ramos Ears because we all have these big ears that stick out like this. More ears, less mouth. More ears. Ecclesiastes says, God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Let your words be few. That is how I discern God's voice, and those are the prerequisites that I use to put myself in a position to hear God when he speaks to me. But Psalm 4610 You're going to memorize this this morning, by the way. It's really hard. Really, really hard. Be still and know that I am God. Say that back to me. There's always one in the youth group. You would have been one of my student leaders. You can look up at me. Look up at me. Look up at me. I like you. I don't point. I watched you do it. You did it. Oh, you're a bully. I'm just kidding. You did that, you're a ventriloquist. You had his mouth moving and everything. That's pretty impressive. Do you know the translation of this? Do you know what Bible translation? New American Standard. Okay, so be still and know that I am God. So be still and know that I am God. That phrase is a call to turn. As a youth pastor, people would ask, the students would ask me, well, or I would ask the students, what is prayer? And they always say the same thing. What is prayer? Ventriloquist, what is prayer? Talking to God. And that is a wrong answer. Now, in my world, we have the red ink still and we mark it on the piece of paper. Wrong answer. Prayer is not talking to God. That's a part of prayer. Prayer, according to this verse, is, write this down, turn to God. It's a call to turn to God. It's a call to put your attention away from worldly things and to put your attention back on God. Here's prayer to me. Prayer is the loving look in my wife's eye. We just celebrated 30 years of being married, August 1st. It's the look she still looks at me in the eyes. It's that same look I get from her most of the time. Reminds me of God. It turns me to God. It's a Hawaiian sunset. It's the wind blowing through the moon and palms in San Pedro, Belize. It's the underwater world scuba diving in the Belizean Barrier Reef. It's the time I put my hands on a dead buck for the first time. And no one's ever touched that animal but me. It's seeing my eyes in my granddaughters. It's the Oahe River breaks at dusk. Man, I killed a big buck there two years ago. It's the midnight stars on the Coast Ridge rain on a moonless night when we actually can see the stars in Oregon. It's the glistening purple back of a buoy 10 Chinook in August. It's every grain of sand on the seashore, and it speaks to me about how God thinks of me. 
It's the driving, it's driving through the mighty Columbia River Gorge on a clear morning after a rain. It's the color of maple leaves in the fall. It's the smell of wheat before harvest. It's the erupting power of the Kwanzaa and cherry blossoms. It's geese flying in perfect formation. It's the smell of blackberries in September. It's the majesty of an old growth timber. It's the inspiration of clouds dancing against the sunset. It's the stormy waves crashing the Oregon coast. It's the myriad colors of ducks. It's the ferocity of a Deschutes River redside rainbow trout. It's the chuckers calling across canes at sunset. It's the smell of a fresh cup of coffee. You want to hear a Nazarene joke? Man, when I, was, I, I became a Nazarene pastor in 1995. And I was told back when we were youth pastors, you couldn't dance, you couldn't chew, and you couldn't talk to people who do. I mean, it was like really, really strict. And I was really nervous. We had four like retired pastors in our church. And I went to Gordon Gibson. Does anybody remember Gordon Gibson? Okay, good. I'm going to talk about him. <laughs> Gordon's in heaven. He's been in heaven about 10 years now. But he was this, this he wore those glasses that, get, that are like dark. They get dark outside and they get light inside, but they're always dark. They were always dark with him. And he never smiled. He was a 20-year missionary in the Philippines, an ordained Nazarene elder, super strict by the book. I remember it was like, man, I'm going to, Gordon, can I talk to you? Yes. Is it okay in the Nazarene church to drink coffee? And he looked at me and he got really serious. I could see his lenses getting darker as he talked to me. <laughs> he said, You know what, Jim? He was about five foot eight. You know what? Every month in the Herald of Holiness, there's a list and it records those who have stopped drinking coffee. I was like, are you serious? He goes, it's called the obituary. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Thank you, Jesus. It was one of those moments where I knew God was speaking to me, right? I was like, thank you, Jesus. I didn't know if this was a Christian church. I didn't see coffee out there. You might have to repent of that later. Okay. But that's, this, these, this is where I see God. It's just a turn to God. It's a turn to God where I go, God, I don't have to say a word. It's like, oh. Be still and know that I am God. I'm going to break this down a little further for you. Be still and know. Be still and know. Be still and know. In Exodus chapter 3, I'm sorry, I've missed a couple words. That I am. In Exodus chapter 3, we see Moses talking to God. And God says, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. This is where the first part of this psalm is a call to turn. Here, be still and know that I am is a call to praise. This is where we focus on who God is. We don't care what he's doing. We don't care how bad and horrible your life is. We give God praise simply because of who he is. The character and nature of God demands human praise. It deserves it. And we praise him when life is good, and we praise him when life is bad. We praise him because he is worthy to be praised. When we launched this ministry, Men in the Arena, in 2012, we had no money, we had no sugar daddy, we had no, uh, no venture capitalists. 
Three months into this thing, our house went into foreclosure. Three months. I knew it was going to. I'm like, where's the money going to come from? Well, it didn't. I was like, hey, it's not coming. That's exactly how I planned it. I just knew. I'm like, this is too big of a thing, God. You cannot do this. It's impossible, even for you, God, to bless a guy like me with a ministry that's impossible. And I realized, I think it was from Bill Bright, that why don't you start praising God and calling out his character and nature? And so I did. I was desperate. I said, God, you hung the earth and you call them by name. The Bible says that you own the earth and everything in it. The Bible says that you own a cattle on a thousand hills. The Bible says you, own, you know every hair on my head. You know every hair on my arms. The Bible says, the Bible says you think of me more than the grands of the sea state. The Bible over and over again says all these great things of you, God. And God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe what the Bible says. I'm going to hold you to your character and nature. And God, I remember I prayed this prayer hundreds, thousands of times. God, if the Bible is true about what it says about you, then God, I need your help. I need your help. And praising God for who he is is the conduit that changed our ministry and changed my life. And I learned that, man, no matter what God is, whatever, I don't know, whatever, whatever's going on in your life, and life can be so brutal. It can be so brutal. No matter what's going on in your life right now, he's worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your praise because of who he is. Be still and know that I am is a call to praise. Let's break this down some more. And we got fun little colored pins here. This is awesome. Be. Be still and know. Be still and know. Be still and know is a call to truth. It's a call to truth. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So one of the habits that I enjoy doing, uh, I, I really was convicted about a year ago, I'm just tired, Everybody, everybody's wanting you to be non-offensive, nobody, you know, don't invade my space, let me do my thing, and I'm just so sick of that garbage. So I decided I'm going to be very offensive and invasive. So I decided when I go out to eat anywhere, and I do a lot of eating, that I'm going to ask the waitress what his or her, waiter or waitress, what their name is. And then before the meal comes out, I'm going to say, hey, listen, I pray before my meals, and I'm going to pray for you by name, so how can I pray for you? And they get all squirmy. It's really awesome. But every, about every tenth person is a believer, and so it's really fun. I was in Lebanon, Oregon. We came off a men's trip, whitewater, uh, I'm sorry, a float trip on the Santiam River, we're in this restaurant down there called Pizza Schmitza, and I, our waitress comes. I get her name. Her name is Kim, and, I, and I, what I do, I've learned how to work this thing because you have to ask their name and tell them you're going to pray for them before the food comes because sometimes they're not the server, right? So she's getting our order, and I go, hey, what's your name? My name's Kim. I go, Kim, hey, I go, I just want to lay out. We're going to pray for you for this meal, and we're going to, so how can we pray for you? She goes, what? You're going to pray for me? Pray for my faith. And I'm like, okay, great. And I turn like this. She's behind me, and all my buddies are like, She's got her head bowed. And I look up, and she's got her head bowed. She's like, bring the prayers. So I'm like, okay. So I pray for her faith. She's, you're not going to believe what happened to me. I go, what? She said, I was born and raised Jehovah Witness, like strict Jehovah Witness. I was at a hotel a year ago, and I pulled out a Bible, a Gideon's Bible, and I read it. 
And I was like, this is, I was re- started reading it, and I realized this is way different than my New World Translation Jehovah Witness Bible. So I took the Bible, because you can take the Bibles in these hotels, or you can take them, right? I took the Bible home, I started comparing it, and I realized this Bible is different than my Bible, but nobody in my church would answer me why. And as I read more and more, I realized that what this was saying was the truth. She said, I, she goes, I, I was strict Jehovah Witness, but I gave my life to Jesus because of this. She said, six months later, I led my husband to Jesus, and we got ostracized from our families and the Jehovah Witness Church. So pray for my faith, because I know Jesus, but I don't know where to go now, because every, the only churches I knew were Jehovah Witness, I got kicked out. Pray for my faith. The cool story there is she discovered the truth. She didn't, doesn't matter what her truth was, she discovered the truth. And this here is a call to truth. Be still and know. Jesus said this in John 14, 6. Let's see how, how good the Bible quizzing was in Nazarene Bible quizzing. Here we go. Be, here we go. So, here, I'm going to help you. John 14, 6. For I am the way, the, and the life. Good. Thank you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Be still and know is a call to truth. So let's break this down even further. Let's break this down even further. This reminds me of my football coaching days. I just love the whiteboard. It's so fun. Hold on. Let me just do this. Okay. Now I feel better. Okay. Give me somebody to scream at. You'll work. Okay. Okay. Be still. Be still is a call to listen. It's a call to listen. I don't do that well with humans. Poor Michael. I interrupted him like three times this morning. I'm like, get a thought. I interrupt him. He looks at me. I'm like, bro, I'm so sorry. All right. I mean, I'm so sorry. I just, I'm an interrupter. But man, when it comes to God, I am not. Because he has it all. He made me. He formed me. He shaped me. How else can I serve him that radically commit to him as my creator than to listen to everything he has to say to me and hang my life on that? And to shut up and listen. Psalm 135 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. It's a call to listen. Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned and heard my cry. I don't know about you guys, but I'm an extrovert. Extroverts are really, we, extroverts struggle with prayer. We don't have a problem talking to God, but we have a problem shutting our mouth. When I pray, I go into the darkest place I can, I turn the lights out, I get my yellow note paper and my pen, and I close my eyes, I have no sound, no nothing, just complete, just complete dark so I can focus and hear his voice. And every great idea I've ever had, we just had an idea that's coming out this, in about a month. Our target audience for the Men of the Arena is a guy 30 to 50, 50 years old with kids in the home, he's driving to and from work, he's generally conservative, he's, genu- he's generally educated, he's a, thinks he's a Christian. And I realize our, we're targeting these guys on our podcast, but all my books are written. And those guys I'm talking about don't really read books, they listen to books. So we raised $30,000, and we've got our Strong Men Dangerous Times coming out on Audible in about a month. And, we, and we're going to produce all of our books we've written are going to come out on Audible for that guy. Where'd that idea come from? That's, you're like going, dude, you're an idiot. Of course you should do that. Well, no, I am, I just, I am an idiot maybe, but I had to go to my quiet place and have God say, come on, idiot, I love you, but, you know, Audible books. And so that's what we did. That's where that idea, every great idea I've ever had was not my idea. I'm confessing that to you. I've never had a good idea. 
like an eternally good idea. They've come on that yellow notepad in the dark places, in the quiet places, in the silent places, when God, the creator of the universe, the crafter of my soul, spoke to me. Took, spoke to me. The last thing I want to share with you is this this morning. We'll close it out. Let's break it down one final time. The grand finale. B. Be still and know that I am God. Call to praise. Or call to turn. Be still and know that I am. It's a call to praise. Be still and know is a call to truth. Be still is a call to listen. And B. B. Is a call to trust. Remember I told you my house went into foreclosure? Remember I told you that? You know, you get the white notices from the mortgage company, then you get the yellow notices, then you get the pink notices, then you get the phone calls. They come about every three days. It's brutal. And this is September, so it's three and a half months after we launched the ministry. My, my, you know, the ministry that's designed to help dads be better fathers, husbands, and providers. I got my 12-year-old Colton who says, I'm going to go get a paper route, dad, so we can pay the mortgage. You know that kid last week just got hired. He's a vocational past. He's a vocational youth worker now with Young Life. He just got hired. He entered vocational ministry. We're so proud of him. I'm sure it's because of these days when he was seeing the struggle, right, and the grind. I remember my wife, who was the CFO at the time, huge company, right, said, "Hey, we need $1,100 by Friday to come in, or you're not getting paid again." $1,100. House is in foreclosure. Got phone calls every third day. You know. I remember this couple said to us, hey, we want to take you guys to dinner. Where do you want to go? We're thinking, well, it's been top ramen and rice, so is there somewhere we're going to have meat, you know? Yeah, let's go. So we went to this place for a uh, steak, and uh, I remember they sat across the table from us. I, Shanna was here. I was here. They were here. We need $1,100 to pay rent, $1,100 to get paid. And they said, hey, we want to support your ministry, and they slid the folded check across the table. Now, if you're a nonprofit worker or if you're a pastor, you don't ever open the folded check. You just slide the folded. You, you, the key is to slide it and pocket it without like, oh, no big deal. It's just a pocket. So I'm looking at that going, that's $1,100. I know it is. That's $1,100, God. Because the week before I started praying to God, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, this is your burden, not mine. You said that you're going to do this. And so if you said this, I want you to take So I started giving God the burden. So I know that's an $1,100. I know it's $1,100. So my wife's looking at me. I'm looking at her. Slide the check. Then they said something. Do you remember what they said? What'd they say? Do you remember, babe? You might want to look at it. <laughs> so right there, it's like so dramatic, right? We, we unfold the letter, or the check. Guess how much it was? $30,000. <laughs> We're crying. Just raving right now, it's emotional. Have not missed a check since. I have six paid staff right now. We have $90,000 in our account in the summertime. How does that happen? Obviously, you can tell right now it's not because of me. How does that happen? Do you trust him? Do you trust him with your aging health? Retirement is what you do in between doctor visits, right? Right? One of my board members, his brother just died of cancer. His other brother, his older brother, just had his prostate removed. And my buddy, my board member, just found out he has prostate cancer and there's a shadow on his femur. And they're doing a four-hour biopsy next week. 
And I'm like, bro, you are going to crush this thing. Trust him. Trust him. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to die. That's pretty freaking awesome. Trust him. You can trust him. Just be in the presence of God and trust him. Do you trust him with your marriage this morning? Do you trust him with that wayward son or daughter this morning? Do you really? Do you trust him with your health issues this morning? Do you trust him? Be still and know that I'm God. It's called a turn. Be still and know that I am is a call to praise. Be still and know is a call to truth. Be still is a call to listen and be is a call to trust. It's a call to trust. I'm going to ask Michael to come up this morning. And I'm going to ask you to do something with me this morning. Did you memorize that verse? Pretty easy, right? New American Standard. NIV will throw you off. Do you trust him this morning? And I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. We're going to close this morning with just an exercise in prayer. Just, I want you to get silent. The heart of a champion, the pencil of a sharpshooter, the eyes of a hunter, the ears of the hunted. What is going on right now? What do you hear? Smell, feel, taste, touch. What are you experiencing right now in this quiet moment? Chairs squeaking, air conditioning rolling, children playing. Go beyond that this morning. What is God saying to you this morning? What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.